All right. Uh, I'd like to start by just having a little bit of a realization of today. What am I talking about? Well, today, not exactly at this hour, but today, around the world, you got hundreds of millions of people who are just going nuts about one man and what this one man means to them. I mean, just imagine. I mean, I don't even see it in your mind's eye. Just millions, hundreds, maybe even over a billion people going nuts over one man and what he means for them. Now, what's uh, funny, I don't know if funny is the word, but kind of strange, is that at the very same time, around the planet, you got billions and billions of people who just kind of, they just kind of shrug their shoulders when they hear the name of Jesus. They hear the same story and they say, eh, you know, Jesus just doesn't mean that much to them. And today, this morning, I want to ask the question, well, why is that? It's kind of strange, isn't it? Maybe they're hearing the same story, they're seeing the same man. And it produces such different responses. So let me put this in like a picture form. Let me put it like this, okay? On this very day, you have a lot of people and they are doing something like this, right? You see it, right? Some of them are here in this uh, church. And at the same day, at the same store, you got other people who are doing something like this. There you go. All right. Now they're hearing the same story, they're, they're looking at the same man, and it produces such different responses, and you got to go, why is that? Why is it that in this room right here, why is it in the Bay Area, one man produces such different responses? Now i got to say, there are some people here who actually kind of feel guilty about this. You feel like, I believe in Jesus, I should be feeling more something, and I don't. And I'm wondering if there's any help for me. Can you help me with that? Well, I think the message today can actually help with that. And I think at the same time, there are people who are here and you're just checking things out. You're not really quite sure about Jesus. and uh, you know, you, Maybe you don't even really care that much. But you know a couple people who are really passionate about Jesus. You know a Stephen. You, you know a Zachary. And you're wondering, what do they find in this man? And what I'd like to do this morning is try to clarify it, try to explain it. But I think the best way I can explain it is through Scripture. So, um, I'm going to have my sister-in-law read the Scripture. That is your cue. Um, let me put it this way. You're going to hear the story of two people in the same scene with Jesus. One is pouring out love like you have never seen. It's almost like embarrassing. And the other one, meh, not so much. Now in the middle of this, such a different responses, Jesus sort of gets up. He doesn't really get up, but you would just imagine. He, he cuts the tension in this room with a knife, and he explains what's really going on. Now, Michelle is not going to go there. I'm going to go there later. But she is going to set up a story, so let's listen to the word of God. Let's turn to Luke 7, starting at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, 
when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering him, said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. The word of the Lord. All right, that sort of ended on a cliffhanger. I promise you I will tell you the rest of the story. But after I tell you the rest of the story, <laughs> there's another cliffhanger. So it just, um, it's just your fate for this morning. But I, I want to go ahead and share the story, and I really want to take time so that you, f- you, f- you feel it, so that you, you really see it. Now, Luke is talking about a woman. Now, let's talk about this woman. How does Luke introduce this woman? You know, she doesn't have a name, which is kind of weird. Maybe Luke didn't know the name, or maybe Luke wants you to think of someone that you know, or maybe you're thinking of yourself. But he introduces the woman as a woman of the city. I don't know what that means, right? But then he clarifies, she was a sinner. Now, let me just ask you, how would you like that introduction for yourself, right? There is Yan, he's a man of the city, and he's a sinner, like, what did Yan do to deserve that introduction? Like, what sort of bad did Yan do to get that sort of introduction? Well, that's this woman. And if you gave her a voice, I, I think she might say something like, you know something, Luke, um, uh, sinner, you know, I've been, I've been called far worse. I, I've been called slut, I've been called whore, I've been called skank. My favorite, oh, she wouldn't say my favorite, she said, but what really breaks my heart is homewrecker. Hey, there's some truth there. Like, how many marriages did she ruin? Did you think about that? Now, here's the thing. I don't know her story. I'm kind of like, I have to make this up from what I know of the time. But back in that day, you sort of needed a husband if you wanted a paycheck. Now, maybe when she was young, she was abused. Maybe she was with a lot of men. Maybe she had a reputation. Maybe she got married and she couldn't conceive and so her husband divorced her and she didn't have many options. There weren't a lot of options. And so she was like, well, I I have my body. She was probably a beautiful woman. She had beautiful hair. She's like, I have my looks. I bet you the first time she did it for money, I bet you the first time she cried all the way through it. Maybe even the second, maybe even the third. But maybe it was the fourth or the the fifth time where she just, no more tears because you just kind of disassociate yourself, you know? And it's kind of a coping mechanism. You're trying to get some separation, and so you do it, but you do it out of the emptiness that's inside you. And then sometimes after you do it and you keep on doing it, you kind of forget that it's wrong, and then one day, and you know this had to happen, a wife 
found out, and she was so mad, and she went and she found her, and she just ripped her apart with her words, and then she realized, oh, what I'm doing is really wrong, and she started to remember the person that she had become. All right, that's the story of this woman. I don't know how long she was living this kind of life. But then one day, she met a man. One day, she met, she met Jesus. Now, when a religious teacher comes into the town, there are certain people who are very like, motivated to go. She was not one of those people. She's not one of those like... But she had a friend, I bet, who was like, look, I went to go see Jesus. You have to go see this guy. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't do that sort of thing. I'm not like, no, you, you have to go. He's different. You have to go see this guy. All right. So she went. And she listened to Jesus. And there was something about Jesus, like something about his message. And for the very first time, she felt things that she had never felt for herself. She felt wanted. She felt accepted. And most of all, she felt forgiven. And she was just, she was just cut to pieces. You know, she was just cut to pieces. And so in this scene, you see that Jesus is coming back into town. And he's like, and she's like, I got to see him. I got to see him. I got to see him a second time. Now, she brings something when she goes and sees Jesus. And uh, there are other tellings of this story, and they make a lot of this thing that she brings. She brings something called an alabaster jar. I don't know if you know much history about the alabaster jar. Here's a picture of the alabaster jar. Let me tell you about the alabaster jar. This thing is special. The alabaster jar was made of, of thick marble. And the idea is you want that marble to be thick because what's inside is really precious. And here's the thing, to access all the precious liquid inside, you will break the top open, you see the very tall, thin top. You break the top open, but here's the thing, it's like a really expensive bottle of wine. You get to open it one time, and then it spoils. So you better make sure that that one time you open is a really, really special occasion. Now, I, we know what she does, so I, I don't know, how did she... Uh, have means to earn something like that. It was probably an heirloom given from grandma to mom to her. It's, well, let me tell you the significance of the alabaster jar, okay? Um, let's say, uh, Allie, let's say your house is burning and you, you rush into your house, or Jody, let's say you rush into your house and you have two minutes to choose one thing that is most valuable to you, and then the, then the roof is just going to crash down on you. Would you choose your Birkin bag, or would you choose Wayne, your husband? <laughs> Look, Jody's still thinking about it. She's like, I, she's like first of all, I, which Birkin bag? You know, she's thinking that, right? But whatever you choose, like, like, like Ryan, what would you choose? You would choose a Yu-Gi-Oh card. I don't even know if I said that right. You know, you would choose your laptop. What would you choose? Whatever you choose, that be your alabaster jar. The most expensive, precious thing she owned. Now I want you to imagine the story. It gets even better. 
She hears that Jesus is coming into town, and her heart is just filled with so much longing. She's like, I have to see him. I have to see him one more time. And I just want to tell him what he means to me, what his message means to me. I got to let him know. Now, here's the thing. She's, you know who she is. So it's not like you can call Jesus' secretary and, like, arrange a time to meet him for coffee. That just doesn't happen. And she's like, okay, where is he staying? Simon, the Pharisee. And she's like, oh, no. Right? I'm going to go in there. They're all going to look down on their long noses down at me. They're going to think I'm a dirty woman. But, but here's the thing. I so badly want to see Jesus. I don't care. And it's going to be public. I don't care. If that's the only way I can see him in public in front of these Pharisees, fine. I'm going to go. Now, I bet you she's thinking, look, all my life, I've been doing dirty things for men out of the emptiness of my heart. But this one time, this one time, I want to do something noble. I want to do something beautiful. I want to do it for Jesus. And I want to do it out of the fullness of everything inside me. Just this one time. And so she's looking around her house. I want to do something special. I want to give him something really special. I want to sing something precious. And then she's looking around at her alabaster jar. Ah, I know what it is. All right, you see the scene. She's going to the house, and she's going to the house. And meanwhile, Jesus arrives at the house of who? Simon. And what is Simon? He's a Pharisee. Now, let's talk about Simon. What can I tell you about Simon? Simon, Simon, Simon. Well, uh, okay, he's a, he's a Pharisee. Let me tell you this about Simon. Simon is a respectable man. Like, here's the thing. If you spend some time with Simon, you had coffee with him. You probably come away from that coffee and go, you know, Simon's a good man. Uh, here's a scary thing about Simon. For all you who are parents and you have daughters, I don't know if you've had this conversation. I definitely have. You start talking to your daughter about, like, when you grow up, one day you're going to look for a man, maybe. Like, when you're 40, you know, you're going to be looking for a man. You might be ready at 40. And here are the things that you're looking for, right? And you start listing them off. You know, you want to look for a man who's respectable, responsible, take care of you, who's faithful and hardworking. And here's the thing. The person you just described is Simon. Is that a little bit weird, kind of scary? Simon was a respectable man. And he, he, he's with the Pharisees. They're like the moral authority. They're like, they're like the pro-family values. Simon's a good guy, right? And so you got Jesus, you got the Pharisees. They're at odds with one another, and Simon wants to bring them to the same table over a meal. Good conversation. He's a peacemaker. So he invites Jesus over to his house, and then Jesus arrives. Back in that day, they had, so, they had social customs, things that you do when a guest of honor comes. You know, we have social customs too. Like, we're not barbarians. We have, we have social customs too. So, let me try to explain some of the social customs that we have. And uh, I think this is clear to everyone, although I do need some group participation, okay? So let's say uh, your family has just cooked a meal and you're expecting some guests 
to come by, maybe at 6 o'clock, turn 6 o'clock. They're not there. They're fashionably late. You're like, it's okay. You grab the remote control. You turn on the TV. Oh, and the Warriors are playing. The TV's right there. The Warriors are playing. You're waiting for the guest. Five minutes into watching the Warriors game, you hear the doorbell ring with a knock on the door. All right, now I need some help here. What do you do? What do you do? You keep watching TV, Shinji says. I'm never coming to your house. There you go. Now, what do you do? What do you do? Okay, does anyone here think you should pretend that you're not home? Shinji does. I am not surprised. Anyone? No, what do you do? What do you do? Okay, what happens? Should you turn off the TV? No. Now, let's play this out. Stephen, can you stand up? Stephen knocks on the door, go ahead, knock on the door. TV's on, TV's right there. I'm looking at the TV. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm opening the door. Hey, Stephen, how are you? Where are you? There you go. How are you, man? Good to see you. Go, oh, 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 right? Am I, am I, should you do that? Yeah, you can sit down. Yeah, should you do that? Some of the men here need some help. Help us. Should we do that? The answer is no. Okay, what you want to do is you open the door. Stephen, Stephen, it's good to see you, brother. You give him a hug. You give him a handshake. You give him one of these. Hey, man, you don't hug him twice. That's a little bit weird. You hug him one time. You come in. Come on in. Do you have the jacket? You want to take your jacket off? Let them take their jacket. Don't take it off for them. Okay? You come in. Okay, can I get you a beverage? You say, kids, come over here. Wash his feet. You, you do something. Massage this man's feet, okay? But we got customs too. We're not barbarians, amen? Amen. Okay. <laughs> you can sit down now. Now look, um, so Jesus comes to Simon's house. There's social customs. What you do first is, number one, you give a, you give a holy kiss. I was going to demonstrate on Stephen, but I think he's, he's like, no, don't do, it to, don't do it to me. So you're a friend right here. no. <laughs> Number one, holy kiss. Number two, their hands might be dirty, so you anoint them with olive oil and their head, okay? Number three, if their feet are dirty and they're wearing sandals, they walk there, it's dusty, yes, you bring out a basin, you wash their feet, you get the servants to do it. Those three things, basic hospitality. So Jesus comes into Simon's home. Now, you need to understand thing. When Jesus knocks on the door, all eyes are on Jesus. But then, then, all eyes are on Simon. Why? People are wondering, Simon, how do you size up Jesus? How do you size him up? Now, look, he's got his peers there. He's got his colleagues, the Pharisees, you know. He's got the servants. They're all wondering, how do you, how do you size up this man? Who do you think this man is? Because if you think he's a prophet... And you give him a royal welcome. You give him a lingering kiss. I don't know. You bring out the olive oil. You bring out the water. You, get, you, you bring it all. But, ah, but if you think, yeah, he's just a guy. Or that the crowds love him, but you want to put him in his place. And then you wave all that off. And you keep the TV on. All eyes are on Jesus, then all eyes are on Simon, and Simon, maybe he's like, you know, all eyes are on me, I don't want to play it safe. Or maybe he's thinking, you know, Jesus, he's just some guy. 
So no kiss and no oil and no wash basin. And then Jesus comes. Now, I want to explain something to you. I, I want you to use your imagination. In this area right here, there's a, a, probably a big table. And what they would do at one of these feasts is they would have couches on the ends of the table. Now, I've never tried this, but I've always wanted to try this. When they would eat, they would recline at the table. So here's the table. You know, I got the, the bread. And they would recline like this. This is pretty nice. You should... I want to go home and try this, just like this, all right? So the, the, the feet are right here, the, the head is right here, Simon has got to be right here, and this is what is happening. Now, <clears throat> when they would have one of these feasts, and you have a rabbi coming, and you have the teachers gathered together, they're going to have some really interesting conversation. Wouldn't you love to lean your ear in and hear what they're talking about? Yes, only one person would like to. Um, but in that day, everyone would love to hear this conversation. So these would be open to the public. And so maybe it was outside, and the tables were outside, and you would get like a small little crowd, and they would be listening in the conversation. And so I imagine that woman with the alabaster jar is right about here where Jody is, and she's listening to the conversation, and she, she sees Jesus arrive, and she's very excited, but there's no kiss. And she's like, I was like, what, what's up with that? And then there's no oil, and then there's no washing of the feet. And then Jesus is there at the table, and he has dirty feet, and she finds this very unacceptable, like basic hospitality that's denied to a man like this. What are you thinking? And she's upset. And she looks at her alabaster jar, and then she realizes, I got to do something. So she, she comes, I don't know, I mean, and then everyone's looking at her like, <gasps> you know, and she comes, and I think it's a big table because there's a lot of couches, so she's kind of making her way around here, you know, and people are just really kind of like, what are you doing here? And she comes over to the feet of Jesus. She's just right here, and she makes some way, and she comes over to the feet of Jesus, and she takes out her alabaster jar, and she breaks it. Remember, just one time, application, one time, and she's like, I have no regrets. She breaks it. She scoops out the ointment. She's rubbing his feet. She's like, I need water. His feet are dirty. There's some dirt. I need some water. And then she starts to think about all the things that she's done. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. She's thinking about all the marriages that I've ruined. I'm just so just dirty. I'm just filth. And then she thinks about Jesus and he's forgiven me. He said I was forgiven. And then the tears start to come. And then the tears start to come. And she's like, I suddenly now have water. <laughs> and so now she's, you got the ointment. You got the tears that are coming. She's like rubbing his feet. And then she's like, I need a towel because it's getting kind of messy. And then, but the servants were waved away. And so she, I don't, my hair, my beautiful hair. So she unlatches it and the hair falls down. And then she starts just kind of like scrubbing his feet with her hair, you know. And then he sees those feet, and she starts just kissing the feet, kissing the feet. And what you have here is the most beautiful act of worship and adoration that you have, I think, in the entire Bible. It's beautiful. But not everyone thinks it's beautiful. Simon, who I think is right here, maybe he was reclining, and then the woman came, and now he's like, 
And, and Simon is like, all my life, my parents, my mentors have said, stay away from women like that. And, and here, this man in my house, and he's, he's really upset. And Jesus right here, basically, I mean, there's a lot of tension and Jesus, uh, he cuts that tension. And he explains what's happening. He says, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So let's do this again. How, how many did one owe? 500 and the other one owed. When they... Could not pay, both of them couldn't pay. He canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon said, answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Simon, do you see this woman? Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. I'm going to say that one more time. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, this, this feels like just a story, but then once you start to unpack the story, you start to find yourself in the story. And I think that's the point of the story. I think Jesus is like turning to everyone here and he's saying, who do you relate to? Do you relate to the woman or do you relate to Simon? Are you the person with 50 in debt or are you the person with 500? Which one are you? You know, my daughter relates to the woman. And I know this because a couple of days ago we had a conversation She's probably thinking about Zaki getting baptized. And so I said to my daughter, Noelle, who is six years old, I said, Noelle, can you imagine one day you, like, giving your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior? And she said to me, she said, Daddy, I don't think I could ever do that. I said, why? And she said to me, you know, in our family, I'm the worst. Now, I think at that moment, I, I'm, I'm supposed to, as a father, look at her and say, no, 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 you know, like, 
Like, you know, the person who's worst is like mommy or, you know, something like that. I mean, I'm, so, I'm supposed to say something like that. I'm supposed to like, like, no, 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 you're not so bad. But, but then I, I just I looked at her and I just started to nod because, <laughs> because it was kind of true, you know. I, so she goes, I'm the worst. And I, well, look, if you're the worst, then you know what you are? What am I? You're a sinner, just like daddy. You know what sinners need? You know the number one thing that sinners need? What? They need a savior. If there is anyone here and you're like, I'm the woman, I'm the 500 person, there's good news for you. There is a savior. There is a savior. There is a savior. But now let me ask you, what if you're listening to this story and you're like, Andrew, I don't relate to the woman. What if you're like, I, I relate to Simon. I, I want you to know you're not, a, I, I relate to Simon too. And you're reading this story and it doesn't feel like there's much hope for Simon. Like, Okay, there's two people, there's the, uh, they owe, both owe debt, one's 50, one's 500, and to you who has been forgiven little, yeah, you only love little. And then Simon's like, well, I guess that's me. Oh, well. Sucks for me. Is that the message of Jesus? Kind of, it, if you're like Simon, sucks for you. I don't think that's the message that Jesus is trying to give. You see, the story is not just a story of what is, but it's a story of the perception of what is. And Simon is here, and he's thinking, well, I guess in the story, I'm the guy with 50 debt. And what he doesn't realize is he's the guy with 500. And he doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. Why doesn't he see it? Ever been in a fight with someone and you know that they're wrong and you kind of know that they know they're wrong, but they just won't admit it? Ever been there? That was me last week, okay? Let me tell you what happened. So Raina and I, and it was evening time and it was late and we were both tired and then Raina says, well, then I'm going to prepare dinner. And so she cooked grilled cheese sandwiches which are not my favorite. Actually, when I saw it, I kind of went, oh, man, I don't want to eat that. But here's the thing. It kind of came out of my mouth when I saw it. I just, it kind of came, oh, there, I just came out. You know, but I didn't, it wasn't like, it was more like, a, she's described as a scowl. And so, but here's the thing. I, the goodness of my heart, I ate the sandwich. <laughs> you don't have to applaud me. It's just the thing a husband should do. I ate the sandwich, but I only ate half. I'm going to push the other half away, and she's like, okay, and then she dumped the sandwich, and then later on the night, I was hungry because I only ate half the sandwich. So I said, Reina, what'd you do with my other half of the sandwich? And she said, I dumped it because you didn't seem like you were very happy with it. And I got mad. I was mad. I was angry because that was a perfectly good sandwich of mine that I didn't appreciate, but she threw away. And here's the thing. Five minutes into this argument, I started to realize something that you all realize right, right now, which is that I'm wrong. So I should just go ahead and admit it. 
but I didn't. And I pressed on my argument for food conservation for 20 more minutes. <laughs> Why did I do that? I knew I was wrong. I couldn't admit it. The only reason I did that was because of pride. 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 Either it makes you don't see your sin or you do see it, but you just won't admit it because of pride. You guys, this is not a story of two people, one has little sin, one has more. This is a story of two people who have a lot of sin and who desperately need a savior and who are headed to hell without one. That's the story. But the difference is that one person realizes it, the other person doesn't. One person, their sin was sexual, the other one, it was pride. One person, their sin was like out in the open, and the other one, it was hidden. But one person knew, and the other person didn't. Which one are you? And if you're Simon, there's hope for you. Look, I, I came on as a 50 denarius guy, and then with time and scripture, and prayer, and self-reflection, I realized I'm the 500 guy. And then you know what happened to me? I got married, and now I realize I'm the 5,000 guy. <laughs> you know, it's true. There is hope for you. But will you let down your pride? Will you admit that you need a savior? Because Simon, right there at your table, is God who stands ready to forgive you. I want to finish the story. Now, I don't know exactly what happened to this woman. I don't even know what exactly what happened to Simon. But I do know, and I'm pretty sure that maybe two or three years later, this woman found out what happened to Jesus, that he was arrested, that he was tortured, that he was killed. Now I know that news has crushed her. But then, soon after that, there's a rumor that he's risen from the dead. Now, if you think about this. If she was willing to give Jesus her most expensive gift, then you can imagine that moment. She will stop at nothing to go and see him. Miles, miles, just traveling. I don't know how far Jerusalem was from where she was living, but I am pretty sure she was willing to take that trip. Now, maybe she found him before he ascended, or maybe she came too late and she just had a private audience with her, with his disciples. But I imagine that as she's talking to disciples, she's probably saying, like, I just wanted to see him one last time. I wanted to tell him what he meant to me. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to tell, well, I think I did tell him what he meant to me, but I just, I just wanted to see him one more time. He said, I was forgiven. And then I bet the disciples said something like, well, do you know why he died? She's like, no. He said, he died, actually, that was the cost to forgive your sins. And then... I'm sure they explained more and then it became clear to her. But can you imagine the moment she realized that when she was crying and she was wiping away those feet, those feet were going to get a spike just nailed through them. 
And then she was probably thinking, I gave him my most precious gift and I broke it. But then he on that cross gave me his most precious gift and he broke his body for me. And then, and then she must have realized, you know, there was some dirt on his feet and my tears washed away all that dirt. But when he died, his blood wiped away all my sins. He is risen. He is risen. And if you don't know Jesus, maybe today will be the first day you will say, I got a lot of sins forgiven. So I'm going to love much. But also it's a warning to you that he or she who has been forgiven little, don't let that happen to you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the beautiful act of worship from this woman. You deserve nothing less. And I pray that in our community, you would give us greater clarity to know how beautiful you are, how amazing and beautiful you are. Father, I pray for all the Simons who are here in this community just like me. Would you help us to let go of our pride? We need a Savior. And I thank you that there is a Savior. We do love you, Jesus. And in your name we pray.